0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday, December 19th, 2019. It's twelve nineteen nineteen. 19 It's a little while ago. It was 12, 12, 19 Pretty cool. Uh, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We are just getting this thing rolling uh, on YouTube. Uh, we are already on Facebook, and we want to thank you for joining us there and uh, certainly appreciate it. Of course, we're rolling on our Blue Frame technology page as well. Uh, it is the last show before the holidays. We have a jam-packed show. Warning you now, lots to talk about and lots to do on this show. So we're going to have this first segment be a little bit short before we are joined by Bob Quillman. He'll join us to talk a little bit about his kind of foresight into Division Three basketball in the first month of the season. Believe it or not, he also wants to open up his, um, his pool C bids already. Cool, see gifts. <laughs> He's crazy. Uh, but we'll talk to him about that. Then we're going to talk to Marietta men's basketball coach, John Vanderwall about the pioneers tearing out to the start of this season. We'll talk to him. I feel like we always end up talking to him in December, which I'm sorry about. I really wanted to wait till longer, but what they have done to start this season has fascinated me. And I want to talk to him about that. Then we'll talk to Ryan Scott before he heads out to see star Wars, the latest film. He'll join us to talk a little bit about what he's seen in the first year, and he even wants to dabble in a little bit in the decade, as it were. And then we will talk to Augsburg women's basketball Ted uh, Reverso. Reverso, Apologize, a little tricky of a name. Ted Reverso will join us to talk about his team and the absolutely jam-packed Mayak, Absolutely incredible start to the season there. We will talk to him about that. And, geez, we're not done. Gordon Mann will join us to talk about the opening part of the season as well. Lots to discuss, lots to cover here on the show. I also want to mention, you might be noticing this absolutely gorgeous NABC shirt just arrived today. I want to thank those at the NABC for their um, their um, wonderful um, donation. I, I got a note from Wade. I hope he doesn't mind. This is Wade Hageman, the Director of Corporate Relations. He writes, Dave, thanks for everything you do. It- for the game in D three hoops, here are a few polos. Hopefully, you can put to use. Obviously, we are. He said we didn't have anything for the back the background decor, but we'll keep it in mind. Yeah, that background decor. By the way, <laughs> some of the lights falling right now. We'll fix that. They're not on because I ended up breaking them. I gotta fix them. They might become part of the permanent decor, so that's not the end of the world. Really quick, up here, our Stag Bowl corner. Um, that's the white. Uh, the uh, I'm sorry, the Mount Union. A trophy uh, that you can bobblehead, really. That is a, I think that's is that. Oh, it's Mount Union versus Whitewater, 2013 plaque, and then a signed ball, and I can't remember which year the signed ball is from. A uh, stag ball tomorrow. Somebody asked me uh, on Sunday show. I think it was our friend Brennan who I had between. Um. Between North Central making their first ever trip and Wisconsin Whitewater I'm going to go with North Central. why not love what the Cardinals have done this season? I think they're a tremendous team. I actually had a lot of confidence that they might get past Mount Union in the second round and I know I've taken some hits on uh, on uh, Twitter for that um, but I for some reason in my mind I didn't think it was listen I don't even think it was an upset to start off with on the individual year set. Yes, I think it's an upset in the grand scheme of things. North Central going into Mount Union and winning that game. In the historical aspect of that, that's an upset. But in the aspect of this season, I wasn't surprised. North Central won that game. So I'm going to keep riding North Central. I know Whitewater's back for the first time since Lance Leopold left and went to the University of Buffalo, which, interestingly enough, is playing in a bowl game tomorrow as well in the Bahamas. But I'm going to take North Central in that game. Don't ask me for a point spread. I'm not going to do that. I do think it'll be a close game. It'll be a fun one for our D3 football brethren, Pat Coleman, uh, Frank Rossi. Let's see if I get everybody right. Keith McMillan, I believe, Greg is down there as well. I don't remember if anybody else is going to be there, but they should have fun. Of course, last year in Shenandoah, Texas, off to Canton, uh, Ohio next year, Hall of Fame. So there you go. I'm done. And I guess I'm appropriately wearing a shade of red. It looks brighter red on the camera for me than it does in person. I'm going to go on a maroon, but I'm colorblind, so don't stick with me necessarily on that. Dan, uh, Dane McKee on the show. Sir, welcome to the show. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, you're going to be thinking second hour for your show. Jeff Burns, good to see you, sir, as well. Always a friend of the program. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. And all of you on Twits as well. By the way, I had a little fun uh, with uh, RPI Men's Basketball uh, and their announcer, Mike Falvo. Uh, Mike was the announcer for the uh, Empire of Albany this this past AFL season. And so um, Mike's the enemy. And RPI was giving him a shout-out for his birthday. And we will wish Mike a happy birthday, but kind of hurt for us PA announcers that they're giving some love to Mike. And I don't think he deserves it. Uh, I joke. Mike's a good guy. Um, So, yeah, you can interact with us in all kinds of ways. We hope you take advantage of it. We will try and keep track of everything. Uh, By the way, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but congratulations to Steve Moore. I have not seen the full list, but Steve Moore uh, on the nominees list for the – Naismith Hall of Fame induction for next year. He's on the nominations list. They're doing it a little bit differently this year. Anyway, we'll talk uh, about that later on. I'm not sure if there's any other D3 names on there either, but Worcester's um, Steve Moore on there, and congratulations to him. Um, Oh, Don Stoner is saying, The NAB C shirt is a solid shade of Augsburg maroon, my friend. Outstanding. It looks like I wore the perfect shirt today then versus the gray one. That I, got. I, I Listen, I'm red, green, colorblind, but I will admit, I, this color attracted to me. And uh, looking on camera, it looks pretty stout. Uh, all right, so that's quickly. There were some other things we're going to hit on, but we've got such a jam-packed show, we're going to take our first break and get to Bob Quillman. He, again, wants to open up some Pool C gifts, if you can believe it or not. But some of what he's thinking about makes sense, because this is the time of year we're getting done with that has so much influence on Pool C. So we'll talk to him coming up. There's also lots more to talk about, including the new top 25 and results already like Benedictine men. The day the top 25 went out lost by 18 to Concordia, Chicago in a surprising result. By the way, that's the only loss in the top 25s, but that's because a lot of players or a lot of teams aren't playing uh, right now. They'll be playing a little bit in the road ahead. So we'll take a break. When we come back, Bob Coleman joins us. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3 hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More after this.
3: I'm a Division
4: III student-athlete and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
5: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
4: If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III
6: student-athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III.
7: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
5: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
1: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
4: I got the Presidential Scholarship,
3: which was huge for me.
1: I think
6: there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three.
3: I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On this Sunday evening, or Sunday, Thursday evening, I'm even out of shape here. Uh, July, is it July? I think it's July now. Trust me, it doesn't feel like July outside. It is uh, December 19th, 2019. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you can tweet us at d 3 hoops or hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. If that isn't working, also try dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. Um, you can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com, or we're simulcasting the show, and we'll be pushing that out. In just a bit a little bit more to a bigger audience let's waste a little time we're gonna go uh talk a little bit about the season that has been already and and for whatever reason bob quillman i think is in the mood to hand out like santa pool c gifts already as he joins us on the blue frame technology hoop hotline we hope with audio that works if not you're going to hear him through the microphone like we did with ryan on sunday uh bob listen i will admit i've i've, I've used the pool c word recently but the fact that you want to talk pool c i had two thoughts one he's crazy he's absolutely nuts we aren't getting into this and then i thought to myself well we are kind of wrapping up the part of the season that has some of the biggest influence on pool c we'll talk a little bit more about pool c in general but you you, you might be onto something sir
8: You know, this is about the right time that we just take an early season, first half of the season pause, and talk about not necessarily, you know, the exact teams that are going to line up for pool C at this very moment, but what are the implications of what's happened so far? How is the D3 process playing out in general in terms of wins and losses and strength of schedule? And it's a good chance to just kind of take a look at how pool C appears at this
0: very moment. We'll apologize. The audio is going to come through my microphone, but it's not the end of the world.
8: Yeah, I don't. I
0: We'll talk about the first half overall in a second, but I, it's not the worst thing. And, and we should remind anybody who's new to the thing. Pool C, we'll be talking about a lot more as we go along. There's three pools. There's Pool A, which is the automatic qualifiers. There's 42 of them, I believe, in Division Three men's basketball. Then there's the Pool B, which is for the at-large. The AEC, for example, does not have an automatic qualifier. This is their last year. So they're in the mix with the independents from the A. Caa and elsewhere. And then pool sees everybody else and your resumes based on your win loss percentage, especially against teams in region, unless and it's very detailed. We'll get into that some other time. Your strength of schedule, according to the NCAA, um, your results against regionally ranked opponents, your regional ranking, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Bob, to some degree, a lot of things can change and be affected no matter how you do. And for some teams, the rest of the season, they need to know, Pool C is either an option or not already at this point in the year. Great example is like Wisconsin Oshkosh. They have four losses already, and they have to head to Emory. And uh,
8: yeah, you know, if they, if you're Oshkosh, you're, you're not dead yet at Pool C, but you got to be looking at that Emory non-conference game as a must-win because in the in the Wisconsin Intercollegiate, they're probably going to lose. Oh, the champion's going to lose three or four games. Possibly, yeah. And so uh, that's a, that's the perfect example of a team that, that already, we could say, is on the bubble. Now Oshkosh is sitting there thinking, we're going to go win the WIAC and we're good. But uh, several teams have put themselves in great shape already, and several teams have put themselves already to that, like, not a lot of room for error territory.
0: Yeah, that's the fascinating part, and, and I agree. Listen, you know, they may get only one or two losses in conference. I don't think that's possible this year. And to better themselves. But you're right. It, it, listen, I applaud. This is, Bob, where sometimes we talk about applauding you for a tough schedule, but it's a double-edged sword. If you don't do well against that that good schedule, you risk yourself being in a situation where halfway through the year, you already know, yeah, you're, you're going to have to go do it the hard way, and that's go win the conference.
8: No question. I mean, the lowest winning percentage that's received a pool C in the last three seasons is at is, is at point six five four. Lacrosse oh. from last year, and the second lowest—I I correct myself—it was Oshkosh yes. three years ago at that six thirty. So uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh at six thirty got a full C three years ago. Uh, Lacrosse got a full C this past year at six fifty four. But generally, generally, you need to be. Over you know seventy percent winning percentage, and and quite frankly, you need to be closer to like seven you know seventy six percent, seventy seven to really be in that conversation. And uh, you know those were a couple outliers from the wire the last three years for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think there's there's going to be some argument to maybe I, I, I this is a gut feeling. I've not talked to the committee enough. I certainly haven't picked their brain when they don't know the data from this year yet. But I have this feeling that. The LaCrosse Oshkosh outliers are known. I don't think they love them. I think they felt good with the selections. Please don't get me wrong, but I don't think they want to send a trend there that you go out there and get annihilated in a really tough schedule and you get rewarded for that for not winning enough games. I mean, Ramapo was about 667, maybe 680 last year. I didn't have a huge problem with them getting in, but if you really want to make an argument, you know, the LaRoches last year and the centers last year not getting in, with better winning percentages and maybe not as strong a schedule, I think that conversation is being had within the committee. So I like your your point. Around seven seven hundred is about danger danger line when we get to the end of the year.
8: The one thing we know for sure is that the committee values the results versus regionally ranked opponents, um, both in terms of wins. If you look at the the history of the full C bids, overwhelmingly teams have you know two, three, four, or more. Uh, wins over regionally ranked teams, and then if you look at just the games played total, there, you know, it's often upwards of, of seven or eight or more, uh, and, and so we know that the committee really values the RRO in addition to winning percentage, and uh, and the strength of schedule metric in the middle is as, as well as always been very important.
0: Yeah, and that strength of schedule number—it's interesting. I was listening to D one and that net ranking that they now have. They don't have the RPI. Division 3 doesn't have the RPI. It's almost a bygone era to some extent. But that SOS isn't perfect, but it's what we use. In your research from the last couple of years, what stands out? We talked about, obviously, the winning percentage and stuff like that. But what stands out about the last two years that we should be keeping in mind when we get back from the holidays and we go full bore into conference schedules? Well, I think the thing we just mentioned, which is that almost every pool C in
8: the last three years has had a winning percentage over 0.700. Almost every one. There's just a few outliers. Last year, there was two of those. The year before, there was two. And three years ago, there was one. So if you're looking at your your record, I mean, when you get to a point where you're under 70% winning percentage, you're in trouble. If you look at the... The strength of schedule number. It seems that the average for the pool sees on, on that metric is somewhere in the neighborhood of like 0.540 or above. Mm. If, if you're under a 0.54, you're an outlier. Same with the regionally ranked opponents. If you don't have about three or more wins over regionally ranked opponents, you're an outlier. So these are the things that as you're putting your resume together, you've got to be aware of. And at the end of the day, look, you want to go out and win games and win your conference and win your conference tournament. But I think you also have to be aware, like Oshkosh, uh, when you're on the bubble.
0: When you look at things quickly before we we kind of look at the whole season, but when we look at things you you mentioned, Oshkosh, what else stands out about what we've seen so far that you think is going to be something we're talking about the end of February, beginning of March?
8: I think we got to look at where the pool seas are typically distributed. So if we look at the last three years collectively, this is how the, the pool sea bids have been split out across the region. The Northeast has received 15 pool seas, mm-hmm. the Central 11, the Great Lakes 7, the Mid-Atlantic 7, the West 7, the East 6, the Atlantic 5, the South 4. So these things are typically very heavily skewed to the Northeast and the Central and that's no surprise because you're talking there about the Nesca yeah. which always does well in the pool sea landscape and then the CCIW and the YAC and the central um, those are those are the regions the northeast and central where i think this year you will see the same type of large volume of pool sea but i think we have to look at conferences in particular dave on yeah. how this shakes up so the nesca you know right now it's a really uh, interesting picture because Right now, if you had to get pool C's out, you could talk about Tufts, Middlebury, Hamilton, Colby, Bates, and probably the last one you talk about would be Amherst. So you have a whole bunch of teams. We haven't even mentioned Williams there. So the NESCAC, how does that shake up as the season plays on? I'm going to stay in the Northeast with the new map? So you've got Springfield, WPI, Babson in no particular order. You know, you, you got to think that at least one of those, maybe two is a really good pool C candidate come Selection Sunday. You move to the east, and one of the interesting things there is how does the UAA play out? Yeah, and Emory ranked number two, Wash U ranked number ten, Rochester putting together a very nice resume right now in terms of pool seat. So you got Rochester sitting in the east. Um, you've also got the Liberty League. You could be talking about
9: uh, Hobart at this point potentially. So that's the east. Uh, And I'm just kind of pivoting
8: around the regions and I'm going to pause there and kind of let you jump in because I know that you watch the NESCAC very closely. And I think, Dave, you would agree the NESCAC is really deep with Pool C candidates at this early stage.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think we're surprised by what's going to be the battle in the NESCAC this year because Williams may not be the, the force we've seen. They're still trying to figure out what is basically a new unit, but they're going to be in the mix. But Colby has emerged. Bates maybe on a a little bit of a weaker schedule, at least has put together a good win loss. I don't know if they survive the Neskark Neskak schedule, but Amherst is going to be in the mix there. You can't count out Tufts. You can't count out Trinity at this point. Yeah. The Neskaks and Wesleyan. I don't think we've mentioned Wesleyan. Wesleyan has been in the last few years, been in the mix. And and I'm saying that before we even come close to Neskak play. And again, This can be a topic of discussion. We won't get into now. The the NESCAC SOS numbers tend to sway or swing to the higher side of things since they don't play a traditional uh, uh, non-double round robin. Don't get me wrong; the main schools and the little three certainly do, but I'm going to be. That's where a lot of bids get eaten up. And by the way, the Northeast is also the biggest region, and so by default, you just I can see how percentages work out that way. There's not specific number that come out of there, but the NESCAC's good. By the way, I'm going to jump in and kind of lead back into you. The Mid-Atlantic region is going to be one that's going to be interesting because I think it's got the potential of some bids, but also has a potential to be shut out outside of some of the top teams because I'm finding that there's the top teams in Swarthmore and Johns Hopkins. The Centennial race is going to be just as good as the, as the NESCAC race, I think, this year. There could be a third out of there, but to be blunt, the landmark's not blowing me away right now. That might only be a one-bid t- league. The CAC will probably, could be two, but could be one, to be blunt. Um, I, I, York and CNU is about the only teams out of there I really could imagine. Um, the Mac Commonwealth, it's not going to be more than one bid. And so the Mid-Atlantic might be interesting this year because you've got really good teams and then everybody else.
8: Yeah, I think the Mid-Atlantic, you've got to figure there's going to be a full C that comes out of the Centennial. you know. So we've At least one, at least one. We assume Swarthmore is going to win that league, but if they didn't, they'd be a lock and you think that Johns Hopkins will have a good enough conference season Mm -hmm. to be in good shape. And then if you're kind of one of these uh, teams that's hoping for a pool scene, you're kind of on the bubble, you're hoping that that Muhlenberg takes a few losses here as the season plays out.
0: They've lost their last two. Right. They had that 8 no starts,
8: and you're hoping that they uh, continue to lose because they certainly still have a chance to build a resume. You mentioned the CIC, Christopher Newport, York. Um, those two teams, both at this point, have have made a case. Uh, Christopher Newport might be going the wrong direction.
0: Agreed. Agreed. But
8: I agree with you. The Mid Atlantic, let's say the over under on pool season that region right now. If you had to make a line, probably one and a half or two. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, I'm I'm there with you. Yep, yep, yep. If you move over to the Atlantic, oh. the Atlantic is
8: generally one of the team, one of the the, the, the leagues or sorry, the regions that has the least pool season. I don't see. I don't see a realistic path no. for an Atlantic sea seabed. That that region has has really struggled in, in the full Sea um, spectrum lately. And I just don't see. When I look at what's going on there, I think you're just going to have this jumble yeah. picture. Yeah, there's a that,
0: yeah. There, Bob. There's a chance the Mac Freedom just because Sp- Stevens is in there now that that changes the equation a little bit. But I'm not positive. The NJAX eating its young. NJCU has already put itself in a position where it's got to win to get in. We're not talking at large from NJCU right now. Um, you know, you talk about some of those other conferences, yeshiva, if they can, if they can play out, might be able to, if they worst case scenario, get into a pool. C cause I think their schedule is pretty decently, but that's about it. Uh, the, the AEC is going to get a pool B. I don't think much more though. I want to see how they, they kind of build from here. Um, I don't expect much out of the CSAC. I don't expect much out of the skyline in terms of at large bids. They may have some good teams, but I'm, yeah, the Atlantic, we might see one ex- at-large at bid, depending on some AQ scenarios.
8: And then, you know, you can start moving into the Great Lakes. I think the Great Lakes is another uh, region where there are multiple candidates at this point. But, yeah. but there's some very confusing races. So, like, let's take the NCAC. Wittenberg, way at the top of the poll at this point. Worcester, way near the bottom, but back in the Um uh, Wouldn't surprise me to see Worcester find a way... Because
0: they always do, Bob.
8: They always do. Why wouldn't they? So,
0: and it's Steve Moore's last year.
8: Exactly, the storybook ending kind of thing. And so, you're looking at an interesting race there. Does Wabash kind of put the pieces back yeah. together? Yeah. Uh, the OAC is another yep. league that's uh, that's hard to figure out right now. Marietta looks, looks looks tremendous to me. They they look like they're in great shape. But again, that's a good league with a lot of good rivalries. It's tough to go on the road there and win. I don't know what to think of the Michigan Conference, the MIAA. I can't figure out who's supposed to win that league between all the options there. Uh, I mean, I've watched those teams play multiple times, and I don't think the people that follow the league the closest could tell you who they think is going to win it at this this point. Is there a pool C candidate? You know, maybe is open at this point, or are they to the point where they're in trouble? So the MIAA, I think the Great Lakes is the big question mark,
0: right? Agreed.
8: You've got good programs, but you also have teams that have racked up quite a few losses. They're like Calvin. has lost a lot of ball games and they're in trouble. Yeah. Um, moving to the south, uh, Emory is sitting there. We, we we think they're the favorite to win the UAA. I think they're I think they're one A and Wash one
5: B, and then you got Rochester.
8: So Emory could be a team. That is sitting there in Pool C. It wouldn't surprise me if they don't win. There's no conference tournament in the UAA, obviously. Wouldn't surprise me if they don't win it. Like if they finish maybe in a tie for the championship and don't get the bid, that could happen. Sure. How about the ODAC with Randolph Macon, Virginia Weston, and Guilford? That's a great race, and you're looking at most likely a pool C coming out of the ODAC, you have to believe. Don't forget about the ASC. You know, you got Um,
0: (sighs) I'd love to see extra bid come out of there, but man, that scheduling for them creates some really rough SOS numbers.
8: It does. It does. At this point, I mean, these are the, these are all just the options of like how many different teams and leagues are in the, in the mix. And, you know, finally, if we start to shift over then to the central and the West, and I'll start in the central, there's 14 teams right now that
3: are legitimate. See there's 14 now they're going to start to play each other too <laughs> so it's not going to be 14 but you
8: got six in the CIW five in the in the wire you have St. Norbert Benedictine and Washu that's 14 teams in the central that all cannot possibly be nope. ranked they're going to they're, they're going to have to be ordered in a certain way and so when you look at like tonight here in uh, what about a half hour 25 minutes Illinois Wesley versus Washu that's a game there on December 19th that is enormous because it has a long way to, to or a big say in the ranking in the central region. So these games that are played between the central region teams are huge. And then finally, the West, um, the ARC, that's a sleeper. Yeah. Pool yeah. Nebraska Wesleyan. But what about Buena Vista? Yeah. Buena Vista right now is they're getting themselves in the conversation. Does Loris end up there maybe maybe not how about the Mayak with St. Thomas St. John's and Augsburg agreed and And Bethel yeah and what about Whitworth if Whitworth was to not win the NWC they're having a good season so yeah you know basically this is just an exercise to say you have all of these uh conferences with tons of drama because of the parody in division three this year
0: yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's it's it, it, it's a precursor to warn you what it's going to be like on Selection Sunday. Um, that we're going to have a lot of... And listen, some of the teams we're mentioning are going to play themselves out of the conversation. There's going to be teams we didn't mention are going to play themselves in to the conversation. There's a lot of what-ifs we don't know about. Quickly, before I go, I know you mentioned the great IW WashU game. We'll keep an eye on it before we wrap up the show. But quickly, your thoughts on just what we've seen to, to start this season. the start of the
8: season. You know, just... Uh, I don't want to repeat all the things I've said already this season about parity, but I just continue to believe that there is not um, much separation here between, uh, like, the Emory-Swathmore part of the poll and the the other receiving votes part of the poll. And what I'm really interested is, I really believe that Austin is, with their four losses, is going to go to Atlanta and beat Emory, and then we're all going to be looking at each other like, oh, Holy crap, like you know, other receiving votes, four losses, Oshkosh just beat number two. Um, now maybe that happens, maybe not, but I think Oshkosh is still a really good team and they're a good example of uh, they might not get any votes next poll. At four losses, they probably won't. And uh, that's really the thing is the, the lack of any separation between these teams. I think there's thirty five teams that uh, that are all kind of even. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean swap more Emory, I guess they are at the top of the poll for good reason. Wittenberg, I'm not so sure. Um, but at this point, Dave, I just I think there's literally like 20 schools that could win the national championship, and I can't remember oh. thinking that in
0: the best. Oh, I agree. I, I've got I've absolutely no clue. I mean, Swarthmore's number one team in the country, but it depends on the bracket. There, it it is. Every year, it gets more and more wide open. I think it's possible. I mean, last year was a hint. We saw one of the crazier force Final fours, I think we've seen in sense of who got there and how. And I, I'm, I'm already set to not have a clue who get, who the eight teams who get to Fort Wayne are and who the two teams that get to Atlanta are. I have no idea.
8: For sure. You know, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm watching like last week, the Illinois Wesleyan play a Sunday afternoon. and. And it was a really physical game, really intense game. You and know, I'm just thinking, okay, what if Illinois West and Augustana played Swarthmore? How would that play out? I think that's a pretty darn close game. Like Swarthmore probably is favored on the neutral court by a bucket. But that's how I see this D3 landscape is that um, it's just very, very even. And that's why the pool C thing is important because somehow these teams are going to have to get stacked up in regional rankings. Yeah. And that's going to be a brutal process. So it's, it's yeah. been a really great start to, to the year so far.
0: Sir, I got to let you go. Always great information. Really appreciate it. I I refuse to call you whatever they want me to call you on Twitter. That will not happen. But I do appreciate you coming on and being a part of this show and in a much bigger sense this year. Really appreciate it. Thanks,
8: Dave. You have a wonderful rest of the show. You have a great uh, lineup of guests ready to roll here. So have a great one.
0: Thanks, bud. Have a great holiday, and we'll talk to you soon. See you, man. All right. Bob Quillman joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Skype hotline. Really appreciate his uh, insight there. Going to take a quick break. I know there was a lot of information, folks. You might have questions. We'll try and answer them later. But understand, we're just giving you a taste. We will give you a much bigger sense of what's going on with Pool C as we go through the year. Remember, end of January, we'll have our marathon show. That's really when we start diving into that kind of stuff, so on and so forth, into February. But we'll talk more and more about Pool C and automatic bids and bracketing as the season goes on. When we come back, we mentioned Marietta on that segment. Really off to a great start. John Vanderwall will join us to talk about his pioneers, what is working so well to start this season, and why they're absolutely steamrolling teams early. Can they keep that momentum up when the OAC schedule truly goes into play? You listen to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC ABC Studios. Back with more after this.
8: Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference.
2: Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills.
10: It's not just about basketball or it's not just
2: about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether.
11: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
3: For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that.
4: It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent.
3: And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation.
4: An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense.
3: That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes.
4: And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive.
3: Be part of it.
5: Get involved.
3: You can make a difference.
5: It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can.
12: I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
0: Back to Hoopsville on this Thursday evening, right before the holidays. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All right, so it, it seems like I have this coach on almost at the same time every year, and trust me, I have tried to avoid having them on now. I want them on later in the year, but they keep coming out of the gates like gangbusters. They keep destroying opponents, and this week, as I stared... At my uh, top 25 ballot, I thought to myself, ah, we can find somebody else, right, who's playing currently, who's doing well, who – no, it's the same guy every single time. But this time, the Marietta Pioneers are destroying teams. It is absolutely mind-blowing. Go to the Hoopsville Hotline presented by Blue Frame Technology, and joining us there is the head coach of the Marietta Pioneers, John Vanderwall. Coach, thanks for taking the time.
13: Dave, thanks for having me. Uh excited for the opportunity to talk tonight.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Um, hopefully our Facebook folks are joining us. Apparently the uh, stream has been interrupted. I'm not sure why. But we haven't done anything. Um, so, we, again, you and I joked a little bit on air. We, we continue to see each other uh, or talk to each other this time of year. It seems uh, routine. Uh, not that anything is routine in this business, as it were. But you guys are out to another undefeated start. But what i caught most surprising is, none of your games are quote unquote, and I realize this is a little bit of a general term. they're not close. You guys are winning by double, you know almost 20 points a night. Is there something different about this unit this year?
13: Well, I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot different um, you know we're kind of the same old Marietta, just with you know so maybe a few new faces and, and things like that. But you know our, our group is, uh, has been a ton of fun to coach so far, and uh, I'm having a blast with this group um you know they are probably our most together group that we've ever had i think they're enjoying playing together uh they're supporting each other everybody's taking a lot of pride in their roles and uh they're just really competing you know and i mean you look at our stats and you see us averaging 93 94 points a game whatever it is and it's not even so much that it's it's more our defense and our in our rebounding and and the guys are just playing really hard. They're really bought in, and uh, they've been they've been a lot of fun to work with.
0: It certainly is uh, buying in is one way of saying it. Uh, you always seem to get your team to buy in, but this time it feels like too. I don't know this squad as well. I don't feel like I know the names as well as I normally have in the past. And and no one jumps out at you. And and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't seen enough games. That's certainly possible. But in years past, John, you've had guys that we oh you got to watch him insider. You got to watch him on the outside. This seems maybe more of a unsung group. Is is that fair? I,
13: I would say that going into the season. Yeah, you know, we we, we graduated three one thousand point scores. Well, yeah, uh, from from last year, and so there were a lot of question marks about our ball club going into the season. Uh, I think something that's always made our program unique is is kind of our balanced attack. You know, uh, usually we'll have four or five guys, that average between ten and fifteen, and. And that's kind of what makes us hard to prepare for, and hard to guard. Although this year, you know, our guards have, have really let us go ring. And, you know, a, name, a guy I think you should be familiar with is, is probably a name that we've got, a junior named Jason Ellis, uh, you know, who scored 51 against uh, John Carroll. And, and really, you know, we we needed every buck. And that, that was our one really close game. Uh, I think we won 104-98 against, against Carroll. It's always a, a knockdown, down drag-out fight against those guys. <laughs> True. Uh, I see that Jack Kilcher's. jersey you got hanging in the back. You uh, might have to try to help hold me out on. here. But no,
0: uh, no, well, you you can help me out. I, I should have mentioned this earlier. That is up there because of their SID. Uh, okay. he's, he's back in the gotcha. hospital. No big deal. Sure. But you Friends can help us FBS. out whenever you want. But back <laughs> okay. to the point.
13: Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, Jason had a great game that day. He's averaging, you know, in the 20s, which is kind of unusual for us. Um, you know, we've had some really good players here, but I don't think we've ever had anybody ever average, you know, in over 20 so uh he's to a great start along with a lot of our guys our guys are playing at a really high level right now and uh you know we're we're excited about the you know, second half of the season
0: yeah i mean the second half is and listen you and i've had our conversations there were some years i'm like I, can you can you be prepared for the second half and then there's other years you're like yeah watch and, and lo and behold you blow the socks off the doors off of everybody and once again prove it all that right by the way real quick I did want to point out, you went into Transylvania uh, at their uh, Don Lane Classic and defeated the host one hundred seven sixty one. That's not nice, sir. That's not a <laughs> yeah. nice thing to do to the to the other pioneers.
13: I know. Wow. Was, yeah, you know, we. I wish we could have played anybody this this. Um, <laughs> I keep calling this past weekend because my days are so screwed up. No, but, it's all right. Uh, I do the same. You know, on, on, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, I think we played two of the better games we could possibly play. You know, I, we played two great opponents, and, you know, Transylvania, who's, who's got a really nice club, who's yeah. picked to win their league, and, and then my alma mater, Albion, who's near and dear to my heart, and they're, they're picked to win the by And I think both those teams are really good, and, and we just were kind of clicking on all cylinders, and uh, it's it got us pretty excited.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, talk about just rolling over uh, Brian Lane's team in front of his dad. Um, I, I'm saying that just in case Brian's listening, I'm trying to run, jam the knife in as hard as I can. Um, but again, Albion by 16. It, it you know, John Carroll's you pen, you know, 104 to 98. It's probably the closest game you had. Uh, you got a bit of a break here. You will head to Worcester, and you've got a fascinating group here because you're playing the All CAC team. Um, you're playing Salisbury and then York, both games at Worcester. Um what are your thoughts on what that schedule will present or that those games will present you?
13: Yeah, you know we we literally just got back from Lexington so I haven't had a ton of time sure. to to really get dive into Salisbury and Yorkish yet. I know I know both teams are going to present their own set of challenges for for sure and, and uh you know we we want to try to put together the best possible schedule we can play and and so when we got the opportunity to go to the Great Lakes invitational up at Worcester, we definitely wanted to do it and uh you know, I think it's gonna be two great games to kind of finish off our non league schedule. I mean, those are our two last non conference games to then we get, you know, in the into the heart and soul of the of the OAC the rest of the way. So you know, we we think it's going to be really big games. We talked to our team this past week about how big these games were at Transylvania for all the reasons that you guys were talking about pool seat beds and and all that. And uh, I thought we handled it really well. And we're hoping to kind of have a repeat performance uh, here next week when we go to Worcester.
0: Yeah, certainly will be fascinating. Of course, Steve Moore, as we mentioned earlier, getting uh, nominated at least for next year's uh, Naismith Hall of Fame uh, induction. We'll see where that leads you. I, I realize you guys are just back. I know you're still in the middle of, of kind of out there recruiting and and whatnot, but give us a sense of what the message is now to this team. You've got 10 days between games. You're going to go to, to Worcester, which is one of the all kind kind of all top 10 places to go see division three basketball. What's the message to the team over the holidays of, of how to prepare for those games?
13: Well, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, we let our guys go home here for six or seven days. You know, you got to give them time off for, for Christmas. And so, you know, that that'll be a challenge. We're, we'll come back and we'll practice on the 26th, 27th, and and uh, try to knock the the rust off them from from Christmas break, and then have to play two really good opponents on back-to-back nights. So, you know, the, the message will be just continue to do what what's got us to where we are right now, and, and that's just competing our tails off on uh, on every possession and really defending and rebounding, and and, and the offense will take care of itself. But uh, you know, we're just going to keep trying to fine-tune what has uh, Proven to work
0: so well for us. You got a relatively young team. I see what, one senior, two seniors on this team. Two
13: seniors,
0: yes. Um, and I think that's I mean, that's scary for next year. But J- Jason Ellis leading the way, twenty-one points a game. Um, uh, Luke uh, Lucas Isley, fourteen and a half points a game, and then basically three guys who could be in double figures if the right night happens. Tim Krieger, Madison Lydic, and Christian James, all at eight and a half or more points a game, just a snip, a smidge under double digits there and of course uh Krieger and Leidick you're you're two of your top leading rebounders but I noticed a very equal rebounding team how 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 important is it that Alice has a good game how important is it everybody else has a good game
13: well you know Jason's been getting a lot of pub lately because he's really been on of the last few games and uh you know but before the John Carroll game he was actually I think our our second leading scorer at at that time and when you post a 51 number, that that helps the average, you know, a, a little bit. <laughs> but uh, you know, I I still think we're just a really balanced attack, Although, you know, Jason's really had a hot hand, and it requires a lot of attention. And and that, in, in, in return, I think is going to open up a lot for the other guys. Um, but I think we've got seven or eight guys that could be our leading scorer on any given night. Uh, and obviously, Jason's putting up bigger numbers right now. But we're not you know, the only kind of team that's going to, you know, we're not going to put in. Ten new sets tomorrow. To try to get Jason the ball. We're gonna we're gonna run our stuff and do what we do. And if Jason gets shots, great. And if uh, if the other guys get a bunch of shots, that's that's okay too. Because we feel like we've got a really balanced ball team.
0: Sure. Talking so go to Coach John Vanderwall, a couple more minutes here with the Marietta Pioneers basketball squad. Uh, your your team, on average, is scoring ninety three and a half. You're only allowing a smidge under sixty nine. Is that truly what we're going to see at the end of the season, or <laughs> is this because a product of you got out to a good start, but you haven't gotten in the middle of the OAC yet.
7: Well,
13: sure, you know, and I hope you're seeing this at the end of the season, right? But uh, you know, when you get into conference play, I think everything changes. You know, and, and the Ohio Confer- Ohio Athletic Conference, is such a tough conference from top to bottom, I and mean, we've got phenomenal coaches in our league, and you know, those teams are all a lot more familiar with us than what these non-conference teams are. Uh, you know, so I, you know, I think we get an OAC play, we're going to have to grind it out a lot more. You know, those teams are going to have us scouted extremely well, and, and they just kind of know how to play against us. I, I always think it's yeah. a big advantage for us playing non-conference teams that haven't seen our stuff, <laughs> don't know everything we do. You know, and, and so it, it, it'll be tough. It's going to get tougher in league. There's no doubt about it, but, um, you know, our guys will be ready for that challenge.
0: Uh, one other question about the OAC. It, it looks like it could be another tough season. Baldwin-Wallace on paper seems like it's going to be a tough team this year. Mount Union, I think, is one that everyone's kind of sleeping on a little bit. But from your vantage point, what, how is this OAC going to shake out? Obviously, it's you guys and everybody else. But how, from your vantage point, but how, how do you see the OAC shaking down?
13: Well, you know, Mount was actually picked to win the league. Um, you know, ahead of yeah. us, So they've, they've got a ton of talent, and uh, they're, they're they're a scary group. And you know, and and as you mentioned, BW is a good team, and and Carroll has racked up some early season losses here, but you know they can get it rolling big time, and there, it's it's going to be a dogfight every single night. You know, and, and you really it's really hard to predict in December how the OAC is going to play out, right? I mean, it's uh it's kind of a crapshoot, but you can it's going to be a competitive games night in night out. You know, and uh, we're just hoping to to keep staying at the top and be there again this year.
0: Certainly makes sense. Uh, curiosity, uh, there's been some interesting coaching changes in the last couple of seasons in the Great Lakes, but also outside of that. And every once in a while, your name will pop up. And someone will be like, oh, it's a it's a no-brainer. He's going to definitely, da-da-da. Listen, I know nothing's a no-brainer. I'm just curious, what is it like to be coaching Marietta, to be in South Ohio, And and have you ever been tempted to leave what you have now, for argument's sake,
13: built there? Yeah, to, to be honest, it, it's kind of mind-boggling how my name is brought up sometimes for, for some of those <laughs> those jobs. Um, no, I, I really haven't. Uh, we I take so much pride in what we have built here, and uh, we have a really, really special thing going on here. Um, you know, the, I think we've been top five in attendance for the last ten years, and we're we're selling out most nights and playing in front of packed, damn crowds, loud crowds. Yeah. And, uh, you know the support that we get is is tremendous, and and the support that you know our, our administration has shown our basketball program has has been remarkable, and so we feel like we've got a, a great thing going here. I couldn't be happier, and uh, you know I've definitely not, not been tempted in any any sort of way. You know it's uh, it's just kind of funny, and sometimes I kind of chuckle, but um, <laughs> you know it's it, we 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 are one hundred percent totally invested here, man. This is uh, sure. We, we got we got it rolling here a little bit. We're just going to try to keep it rolling.
0: Uh, just curiosity after what you did to Transylvania, you sure Brian Lane hasn't called you to say, hey, can he? Or Don, <laughs> has Don called no. you to say, hey, take over my, for Brian? Because. No.
13: Brian's a great guy. We, we <laughs> he is. He's awesome. He did look at our roster and noticed that we only had two seniors and told us we weren't invited back. I was
0: wondering. Yeah. I was wondering if you've absolutely burned that bridge for, for, enti- for the entirety of things. Um, sir, really appreciate the time. I know you're busy, so we'll let you go. Um, I, I will get you on by the end of the season. I highly suspect talking about this crazy OAC and, and how you guys finish. Um, we'll find a way in the future to, well, you know, the easy way to make sure you're not on in December is lose a couple early in the year Sure. and we'll skip you until January at the very least. How's that work? Okay. Or be number one in the country. And then I'll take you in November.
13: All right sounds good I'd, I'd rather be in november than january
0: that's true hey um before we let you go we always leave the guests the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who's tuned in including by the way a very vocal and supportive marietta fan group
13: sure yeah uh, you know the, the people down here in southeast ohio they are vocal and, and that's what makes it fun so yeah. we, we really appreciate their support but but thanks dave for having me tonight i i has been a lot of fun and i appreciate the opportunity and you know, as as always, thanks for everything you're doing for, for Division Three
0: Basketball. Well, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Have a great holiday. I know you and I will catch up down the road and uh, and, and good luck. Uh, by the way, great atmosphere. I hope to get back sometime.
13: Yeah, we'd love to have you. Thanks. Take right, care. Take care, buddy. Bye.
0: John Vanderwall joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, part of the NABC Coach's Corner. Appreciate Coach coming on. Uh, Yeah, it's just weird. We've gotten them on in December. And trust me, I have done my research when I usually do this. I check other schools and go, oh, man, I had them on the exact same week. I couldn't resist seeing Marietta. Not only the fact that they're rolling over opponents, but they're undefeated again. They're into the top 10 with a team I don't think a lot of people really appreciated at the start. And it looks scary for next year, to say the least. Uh, Again, they're off. Then they get the CAC sandwich uh, with Salisbury and York. Listen, Worcester's a great place. Marietta's a great place to see games, too. Um, I'm... If I'm Coach Vanderwall, I'm disappointed in that. I wouldn't mind one of them, Salisbury or York. I'd probably take York over the two, but I want somebody else. I don't remember who's on the other side of that tournament. To be blunt, um, or classic, clearly, so I can't speak on it. But uh, it'll still be good two tests for Marietta. If they don't come out of that, well, they'll come out of it at least one on one. But wouldn't be surprised if they come out of it two and zero. Oh, and I'm, I, I think York's a pretty good team this year. Um, by the way, again, Marietta, great place to see a game. I've seen there when the place is empty. And I've been there when the place is rocking. Still, both really cool experiences. Um, By the way, my Facebook simulcast is shut down. If you're watching us on Facebook, awesome. I don't know why mine is shut down. I don't know if it's working. To be blunt, I don't control it anymore. I don't know if it's supposed to be working or not. But if you're not, you can watch us on a regular page and you can watch us on YouTube. We'll take a break. When we come back, Ryan Scott joins us to give his perspective on the year that was in Division Three basketball, he also wants to open up his all-decade gifts. Now, I have a problem with that. We'll discuss it when he comes back. Still ahead, we'll switch into women's basketball. Augsburg uh, women's basketball coach Ted Reverso. I keep screwing it up. It's a tricky little word. Uh, he'll join us on the show. A tricky little word, but a heck of a coach. And then Gordon Mann will join us as well with his thoughts on the first part of the season. If you're listening to to Hoops, so presented by D3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. And again, the reason we're hanging the John Carroll jersey, we'll talk about more later. They're uh, SID back in the hospital in his fight against cancer. And we told you we would hang it whenever he's in the hospital. Our thoughts are with him. Back with more after this.
7: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
5: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
2: It's on us, it's on all of us, and it's time to act now.
3: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on division three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
4: It starts right when you hit the court. you imagine your finest moment? The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance? A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court.
12: I used to never really talk. Ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
1: Division three
12: allows you to give yourself to other things.
1: Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division III athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to
2: do. I wouldn't change it to the world.
11: I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being.
4: I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
5: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
4: If you can play, you can play in Division 3 I'm a
6: Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three.
8: Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference.
2: Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether.
11: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American and play college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the college basketball.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, from the NABC WBCA studios, presented by D3Hoops.com. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, we've already jammed in a lot, and we'll continue to jam in a lot, as they say. So if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where people are messaging me, despite the fact that it looks like Sky, uh, the simulcast is not working. I don't know why. Uh, I don't control that, but we'll move on anyway. Uh, Ryan Scott joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. And, sir, good to see you, as always. We're getting a little bit of a hit in your video, but I think we're okay. Um, so Bob dove into his Pool C gifts, uh, and then we got to ha- get him to talk about a little bit of what we've seen so far this year. From your vantage point, where do you want to start? Your ridiculous gifts, and I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek, or do you want to start with uh, what we've seen so far this year? Uh,
10: I mean, let's talk about the year so far. Think All right. I really exciting. Go for it. Um, just the, uh, you know, I think I mentioned on Sunday, just the number of high level games that we've seen so early in the season. And, and the other thing is, is, and I, I know you and Bob got into it a little bit, the notion that there's probably 50 teams that could win against any of those other teams on a given day. Right. Yeah. Um, just before he came on, I was watching, Yeshiva's playing Moravian tonight. I've seen a bunch of Yeshiva games this year. Um, you know, that's a team that, You know, they aren't as good maybe as the teams at the top of the poll, but they're good enough. They could beat anybody on any given night. And I just think there's so many of those, you know, five or six probably in every region um, that could really give anybody uh, a game. That's something we haven't often seen.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. By the way, uh, Ryan's audio is there. We're leaving that. For whatever whatever reason on our system, uh, the video's flipping. It doesn't matter. You can hear what his point is. Um, Yeah, I think – I mean – We're going to have teams left out of the tournament who certainly deserve to be in. We'll probably have some controversial picks. It always happens, but it's fascinating because every night now, Ryan, we get something worth watching. And sometimes it's you reminding me with a comment on our Slack channel. go, oh my gosh, such and such. I'm like, oh, darn it. I got to go run to a game. I'm so used to sometimes going, you know, there's no games tonight.
10: Yeah, I mean, it, I, I feel like even last year it was maybe two nights a week that there was really something worth watching. Now it seems like literally every single night we've got uh, a great game going.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, What was it? Um, You – you oh, yeah, let's go into this real quick. Are there any teams – we're talking men primarily here, folks. Any team – who are the surprise teams out of each region? Let's go that way. Do you have a team that has jumped out at you then surprised you – in every one of the regions we've had so far? And, and obviously there's eight regions. You choose where you want to start.
10: Um, I mean, Babson was one in the Northeast that uh, has jumped out to me. You know, it just that they didn't have a great season last year and they didn't have a lot of changes, right? right. Uh, bringing in Ainge is going to be helpful, but he's really more of a distributor and a point guard. Uh, but they're just playing great defense and they've got a lot of guys contributing. They really seem to be working together as a unit. Uh, that are, they're playing really well. I'm not
0: even sure what the ceiling is for that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I don't know what to make of it either, to be honest with you. I'm kind of a little uh, stunned myself. Um, well, I mean, but that's also sometimes with the crucible of the conference schedule, who know you the best, will end up being uh, the biggest factor. Sure. Uh,
10: um, I mean, are we just going to swing around?
0: I, I yeah, go ahead. It,
10: I don't know what to make of the, it at all right now. I was looking at some of those today and I, I just don't know I don't know who's good and who isn't over there um, a lot of new faces so many uh, and, and maybe maybe Hobart is the one I mentioned on Sunday um, they're looking pretty good right now but they also have played the greatest schedule in the world uh, so we still need to see what's happening there uh, in the Atlantic Stockton has been a surprise for me obviously they have a long history of being really good but they seem to be the, the class of the NJAC and I didn't see that coming that's been a relative surprise. Um, I feel like even uh, York over in Mid-Atlantic maybe has been one of my surprises. They've been a name we've been talking about for a while but they've graduated a lot of guys over the last couple years and, and they seem to really be kicking it into gear right now. Um, that's one that's that's been interesting. One to watch. I'm not quite sure where they are yet but uh, East Texas Baptist. Uh, we're talking about a lot of other tech schools but down in the South, you might be a, a sneaky one, and, and Laterno is always really good. But I, again, that's a team that doesn't have uh, a, a schedule that has yet shown us a whole lot. I'm trying to think where else we go. Saint Norbert's been really good in the Central. I skipped the Great Lakes.
0: <laughs> I think you did, but that's okay. We can come back to it.
10: Yeah, Saint, Saint Norbert's been really impressive. Um, I, I yeah, wasn't really sure what to make out of them, um, and they're way down in to the South. You talked to Bob. There's 14 teams that could be ranked there. So I was trying to get farther down the list (laughs) to take a surprise. Uh, Out west, I've been a big proponent of Pomona, so uh, I'm I'm gonna keep throwing that name out there. I think no, somebody else voted for them. Prior to that, I was giving up five. That's a really strong, and that whole league kayak. You guys are up late this year. There are four
0: or five really good teams. Redlands has been doing really well. Occidental is a good team. Um, they, they've, been, they've been really terrific. Yeah, um, I agree. I guess we have to
10: come back to the Great Lakes. Am I talking too long here? No,
0: no, you're fine. You're fine, sir. Absolutely. Go for it.
10: Running around. I'm not sure Great Lakes, who was supposed to be good and, and who wasn't necessarily, right? Um, yeah. I, I think that MIA is a little interesting. Um, maybe there isn't a top team there this year, but I think they do have four or five really good teams. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see when that conference pans out, you know, Alma and, and Albion, and, and I think Hope and Calvin are both really good as as they normally are. Um, Try and played really well the other night. Um, that, that could be a good race. I think any of those teams could be really strong, especially once they get through that whole slog of, of a conference.
0: Hey, he found, the, the great legs, as Bob and I talked about, is, it's fascinating. I had some teams I thought were going to be really good. They haven't gotten out to the starts I expected. There were teams I thought might be in play who are off to tremendous starts, and then there's going to be somebody who come catches me by surprise. I don't know what to make of the Great, like Great Lakes, turning into very much like the like the Central now, where it's just a it's just feast or famine, and and, and great games all around. So really enjoying it. Um, did we did we get all eighty regions there? Yeah, no, no, I think you got him. no, I think you did. I was just going through them in my head. Um, all right, so I'm gonna let you, since you did all the hard hard lifting there, sir, I'm gonna let you go on a topic that I'm not exactly a fan of. I am personally a man who does not believe a century or a decade starts until you hit year one, because there's no such thing as year zero. But everybody gets into the oh, it's closing down the decade. We're we gotta have our old decade stuff. Um, so you sent me an email saying you wanted to talk. Well, About some all decade stuff. No, 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 no. I'm blaming you. Don't try and shove off the blame. This is all you. I know I came from the message board. Um but interesting thought. Listen, there's a lot of thoughts that came on that message board. We don't we I don't think we could have solved that in two hours. Um one of them was the all decade team in terms of players. I, I can't I can't. I can't. Um, but from your vantage point, what was the one that jumped out at me that I, I did find interesting? Oh, what might have been the five best teams of the decade? Uh, and we'll give you that this is the end of the decade here. Um, who do you think are the five best teams? I've got a couple in mind. I, I bet we cross over, but I'm curious yours.
10: Are we are we thinking individual years, or are we thinking schools that have been really good for the whole 10 years? I, I we...
0: took it as who were the best five teams for that decade, not necessarily individual years, but certainly yeah. that could make a claim. I took it as who have been the five teams of. That have not dominated but taken the headlines the most in the five years
10: yeah I think or uh, ten years Saint Thomas definitely up there interesting I mean, they've won two titles they've been to three final fours um they won a lot of games <laughs> they've had some great sure. games. That, that's a big one the other one I think is Augustana
0: um they yeah won I'll
8: give you that one titles.
10: but i I think maybe not quite ten years but maybe maybe six or eight they have the most wins.
0: Oh, they absolutely yeah. Over, yep, over yep. the
10: last few um,
0: and most tournament wins.
10: Yeah, at least the last in, in the last few years. I think.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that one.
10: I think those were two that popped out to me real quick. Um Yeah, those two.
0: I think, hmm. I, there's got to be a Nescac. Is it an Amherst? Probably because they've been yeah. so consistent.
10: Three, three final fours and one national title. You know, that's 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 pretty good showing. Yeah, I think them and St. Thomas are the only ones that have made three. Final four is this decade.
0: So. Yeah, you might be right. That's
10: pretty good. I, cool. I think
0: I would have give. I would have gotten Whitewater in that conversation if they hadn't had the last couple of years just not be as big a factor. Um, but remember, there was a chunk of time there where they were they were a force, um, better than Stevens Point. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know if I can definitely put them in that top five. I think you got to talk Whitworth or Whitman. Uh, maybe it's Whitworth because Whitman kind of came on near the end of. The, of the decade, Whitworth's been so darn consistent for so darn long, they might have to be in this conversation.
10: Yeah, that's so hard because of the
0: geographic Agreed. nature of that, you know, that, that. They don't get really a
10: fair shot when it comes to the tournament. You know, Agreed. Whitman made the final four that year and they gave, I think, Babson the best game.
0: Um, oh, absolutely. That they saw. Absolutely.
10: You know, and, and again, that's one of those that maybe the last five years, Whitman would certainly be one of the top teams. Um, but if you're going back the whole decade, you know maybe, maybe that's it. It's Stevens Point, perhaps.
0: Yeah, I um, thought about it. It was either them or Whitewater. I felt if you, if you get, but the, then again, Stevens Point's last couple of years hasn't been as strong. And I don't know if you, you punish them or not. And I don't mean punish; that's a horrible term. But I don't know if you downgrade them as a result. I think that's what makes it tough. I think that's a really tough equation. I mean, if you talk consistently. I mean, there's a lot of good teams. I mean, Worcester's been in every single NCAA tournament.
10: Yep. And I've tried to find some, you know, last 10 years wins list, and I couldn't really find that. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I just wasn't able to to drag it up today. And you have some of those teams that, like, Williams and and Illinois Wesleyan had some real top, you know, national contenders earlier in the decade and maybe haven't, haven't had the same level since then. But then more recently, like you said, there's, like, a Whitman or even a Christopher Newport that's been to the Final Four twice in recent years or Oshkosh, obviously sitting on two straight, you know, championship game appearances. True. Um But the ones, like you said, Amherst, St. Thomas, Augustana really stood out. And then it feels like those, those Wisconsin teams just sort of trade off every couple of years. years. Yeah. We know, just, the best
0: in the just take the whole group and put them as one. It's yeah. <laughs> a fair point. Um, Before I let you go. uh One of the things that you and I really enjoy is going to see games. I think. Uh, we've seen our fair share. We we would love to see more. I'd love to travel the country more. I say every year I want to go and do a trip every year, and other things have come up that financially have made it challenging to do that. But if do you have an idea of maybe your best gym or, or atmosphere that you've experienced in, in the last 9, 10 years?
10: Well, I'm not just saying it. Uh, Timing?
0: Oh, I know my, where you're going.
10: My trip out to Marietta. Yeah, I knew so it. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, Two years ago. Yeah. I'm already I'm already uh booked to head out next November. <laughs> um Ryan Whitnabel gave me a, a an early sneak peek at the lineup they have uh, at the Great Lakes uh classic uh next year and uh Yeah it's it's just incredible what they put together and, and Marietta does such a great job of creating that atmosphere, that they're, they're a small gym, but it's big enough to, to fill up, you know, with 15... Oh, employees. that
0: extra wing, so. that extra upper level changes everything. You don't think many fit in there, and all of a sudden, they jam in a ton up there.
10: Right. they got TJ going and Light. You know, they really do the production up, and, uh, and they always have a great team. So that makes it better, and the whole town turns out because there's not a whole lot else going on. Right! Um, and, and that's gonna really, that stands out to as one of the best experiences that I've I've been to, but you know when, when the games are big, it's great everywhere. Yeah, so I went to Swarthmore yeah. for the the Centennial tournament last year, and that atmosphere was fantastic at a place that isn't really known for having a lot of fans show up. I agree. So, um, you know when the games matter,
13: the, the people
0: show up. There have been some great atmosphere I've seen on video. I'm not going to count those. It's the ones I've been to. It wasn't a huge crowd, but the Centennial at the Palestra was awesome. Uh, one of the cooler experiences, getting to call those games and just darn it all. I was at, I was at, at a score as scores table at the palestra calling basketball games. I mean, stop it. It's just awesome. Um, Marietta. I, I, I double dipped. I got the worst atmosphere Marietta has ever had. And I had probably one of the best atmospheres Marietta ever had in different years. Um, John Carroll's always been a fun experience for me to go to, um, but hope Calvin last year. Uh, Game 200 or 250, whatever. I'm sorry, I already already forgot the number. Um, Those two teams, I remember sitting there next to Pat Coleman. One, the atmosphere was insane. I'd been to Hope, but it was for the Women's Championship weekend. It wasn't for a Hope-Galvin game. And I remember looking at Pat going, the way these two teams are playing, they should be top 25 teams. And they're not this year. They just showed parity. But the game was that good because the two of them bring each other to that level. Um, the other one I would say was Benedictine. Uh, the year they were undefeated, I got out there for the Sweet 16 in Elite Eight, and the atmosphere was insane for the Benedictine games. Um, just a different feel, but Hope Calvin's going to be my number one. Marietta's probably the number two, with Benedictine number three in terms of just cool atmospheres. And again, it's games we've gotten to, and I may have forgotten a few. The Hoopsville Classic was in the middle of that, we had some cool atmospheres. For that, uh, of course, you get the championship games and, and championship weekends in, in, in Salem, and, and there's a lot of other ones you can mix in there, but that was pretty cool. Hey, before I let you go, any other thoughts before we uh, head off for the holidays?
10: No, uh, other than just keep watching. There's, yeah. there's so many games, especially with the way that uh, Christmas is in the middle of the week. we got a couple of weekends over the break, 15, getting away to travel and uh, True. and uh, play some great some great games. Um And to, to just see teams playing teams they wouldn't otherwise see, right? That's why yeah. we love these travel times that yeah. we get a little bit more of the national feel. Um, you know whether they're going to Florida or or Agreed. Puerto Rico or Las Vegas, right? Yes. <laughs>
0: so, especially the women's lineup for the D3 hoops going to be out of this world. Oh, the women's lineup this year is insane. Uh even if the men brought a better lineup and it's it's just an off year on the men's side, the women are stealing the headlines this year. I cannot wait. And, and none, nothing against the men, but we're going to peak with the women's games every day uh and then sure. and then play the men's games, which is a little bit different, but really looking forward to that. We'll talk a little bit later with Gordon about that. Thanks sir appreciate it as always. Um, is, is I guess that's your final thought for the for the sure. cool. Absolutely. Hey, I know you're going to go see Star Wars. Go enjoy it. Ignore the the skeptics. I heard some great reviews. I will see it eventually. Don't tell me anything.
10: Well, right, that's what I'm going. to say. Having those things
0: spoiled for. I learned how to mute a hashtag. So I muted two hashtags on Twitter today. Rise, uh, whatever the name is, what? Rise of Skywalker and Rise of the Skywalker, because apparently people are stinking on the dial there. I learned that today, and I'm so thankful I have. nothing. Get, well, it'll be spoiled for me eventually. Sir, en- enjoy that. Have a great Christmas, and I'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks. Absolutely. Take care. Ryan Scott joining us on our Skype, Blue Frame technology. No one heard a word I said, did you? I'll try that again. Thanks to Ryan Scott coming on the show. Really appreciate it on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do that. Uh, he comes on every week. He has for a couple of years now. I really enjoyed having him on the show. It's been a blast. I thank him for his time to do that. Um, and I don't know why the video glip, blips there. Uh, I you Keep watching Hoopsville. You will see some new technology glitch that I have never faced on this show every week. Uh, we got two weeks to push out the gremlins and get back into things. When we come back, Switch Women. Augsburg's women's basketball coach will join us to talk about his Auggies, why he's doing so well, and why he has an interesting uh, note regarding uh, his history as a head coach in the Mayak. You listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Back with more after this.
1: to myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it.
3: It's a well-rounded experience.
1: Uh, At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around
11: you developing yourself as a complete individual.
3: It helps a lot that
4: you have a family with your team that can guide you.
11: Cheer for the stumbles. The he shoulda had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born.
8: Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference.
2: Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us and it's time to act now.
3: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
12: I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind, attain only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are.
7: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville on this final show of 2019. We'll take a little bit of a break and be back in 2020 of course we've been talking about that much of the show if you need any reminders we'll be talking about it before the end of the show You're, this is uh dave McHugh. thanks for tuning in everybody we appreciate it of course you can always follow us on twitter at d3 hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville you can email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com though if there's a problem with that email let us know we will uh go and chase that problem down like we did last year You can also join us on Instagram at D3 Hoopsville, though we don't follow that during the show. And don't forget, also on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Also on YouTube, by the way, YouTube.com slash D3 Hoopsville, where we simulcast the show. And if we ever have special videos, we'll load them up there as well. All right, so we're going to switch gears, talk women's basketball now. And coming up, we'll still talk to Gordon Mann about what he sees in the first few months of the season and what he sees may be coming in the next few months of the season. One of the uh, things that jumped out at me, especially in the last top 25 in, for D3Hoops.com, was the MIAC has four teams ranked. Of course, they include St. Thomas, though they're a bit on a slide right now. And one of the teams that is responsible for that slide is Augsburg. The Augies are 9-1, uh, haven't played in a week. But that doesn't mean we don't want to talk to them. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's their head coach, Ted Reverso. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Hope I said the name right.
9: Uh, it's close enough, Dave. I've been called worse, but I've, uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Well, let's correct it for the record, just for everybody out there. It's reverso.
0: Reverso. I always I, I, I want to play with it, but we'll get it. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, if nobody knows, we'll go to the history a little bit here first. You know this kind of basketball in this part of the country really well. You used to be St. Thomas's head coach before you decided to dip your toes in the D one waters. And and now you're the head coach of Augsburg now in your fifth season. This is not unfamiliar territory and if anybody knows how to get through the gauntlet of a Mayak schedule, it certainly is you.
9: Well, I was fortunate enough, uh, Dave, to have uh, you know, a lot of my career at Saint Thomas and uh it was fun. It was really fun and um you know, to come back into division three after spending some time away from it has been very rewarding, Um, and again, I feel very fortunate to be able to go back and do what, uh, you know, uh, something I'm really comfortable with.
0: It certainly is interesting, because you guys defeating St. Thomas, the last game out for you guys a week ago in overtime, ended a 36-game road losing streak for the Augies, and I kind of chuckled to myself, because I thought to myself, he's responsible for most of those losses, if you think about it.
9: Well, I, well, I, I, I'm not responsible for the 36 losses. <laughs> well, uh, a lot of them. <laughs> let's get. Uh, no, I mean I wasn't the coach here when we were losing those games. Right. So that no, was I mean you were over at St. Thomas. Uh, well, we, uh, we had a good run over there, and um, you know, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people would like to. Uh, Change the outcome of a lot of those games, but um, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, being on the other side of it and and, uh, looking at what they've accomplished, uh, I I think it's uh, it's impressive and it's it's hard to do. So, um, building up a program to uh, at least be competitive with them uh, has been the challenge, and I feel like um, you know our last game out uh, really showed that uh, maybe we've closed the gap a bit. Sure,
0: when you look at preparing for a game like the tommies especially at their place can you really go back into the vault as it were and what you knew about st thomas and to prepare the team or is it since it's a new coach relatively speaking not the coach obviously you being there and a different program and all that it's it's really just not relevant
9: well, I think there are certain things that successful programs do well, and I think that you can go back and look at successful programs and in particular maybe what St. Thomas has been doing and talk about, you know, some things that need to change in order for you to be competitive with them. So I think that that's the experience that you can draw on when you're preparing to play for them. And then, you know, making sure that um you know the success that we had when we were there and and what kinds of things we did, can we bring some of those things to our current situation? What do we need our team to do? How do we need our team to play in order to beat them? So those are the kinds of thing, things I think we drew on in order to um, um, to prepare for them.
0: You have quickly brought Augsburg into the conversation on women 's side, and really, as you know, for a long time, this was St. Thomas's conference to dominate. Yes, there were programs that would enter the fray into the top two to four range, but no one could touch St. Thomas. They've now lost back to back games. You guys are part of that conversation. Nationally ranked for just the second time, or second year in D3hoops.com, first time ever in the WBCA poll. How does, how, how, you kind of hinted at, how difficult was it in the five years you've now been there to get the program up to the top of the Maya?
9: Well I think the first step was you know um let's uh, let, let's become a good program let's you know um bring some players in who were competitive and could compete at this level um and I thought we did that the first couple of years I thought we made the MIEC playoffs and you know um and were competitive but um to take that next step you know like last year I thought the only team we lost to was St. Thomas. We mm-hmm. finished sixteen and two, and we played for the conference title in the in the playoffs. And so that that was the next step for us. But this year it's uh, it's another step, and you know uh, the, the the farther you go, the harder it gets. And I think that this step will be the most difficult if we can compete for the title.
0: Well, certainly staying on top too is difficult, but getting there is always the most difficult. There's four teams right now in the d3hoops.com top 25 that are coming out of this conference. St. Thomas, yourself, Bethel. Um, you guys, this conference we've all known has been tough. It's gotten tougher with teams like yourself coming onto the fray. There's got to be a little bit of a smile on everybody's face in the locker room, I would
9: imagine. Well, I think that um, what a lot of the teams, you know, the Gustavuses and the Augsburgs and the Bethels are, are saying is that, you know, we, we've got to be able to compete Um, for a title if we want, you know, if we want the conference to be stronger. And I think that in order for the conference to be recognized as a strong conference, you know, we we have to be able to compete for the title. So I think that that's really what's driving some of these programs. I think the other part that's driving a lot of the programs is that there are no easy games in our league anymore. Um, Before, um, you know, you could uh, probably predict the outcome of a weekend slate of games pretty accurately. And now... Um, you know that's not the case. So I think that um, the fact that everybody is kind of uh, committed to being more competitive has really helped.
0: Yeah, and by the way, Gustavus Adolphus, the other team I didn't mention, who's who's in this top twenty-five fray at this point. Again, the teams had a week off. You guys have settled in a little bit. You'll get back up and running. You got a big game coming up against St. Benedict. Uh, your SID Don Stoner making a mention to me, uh, something like a thousand plus wins combined between you. And Saint Benedict's coach coming up on January fourth. A little bit of coaching knowledge will be uh, on the floor in that one. But how how have you prepared the team for what will be this this sizable break, which happens to a lot of teams during the year, and get them ready for what will be a big game right out of the gate on the
9: fourth? Well, the fourth and the eighth, we have Benz and Bethel, you know, yeah. and two teams that'll that'll compete for uh, you know the top spot in this league, I think, and. So the first thing we want to do is, you know, get them through finals week, which was this week, then we're finishing up now, um, and then get them away for a couple days, you know, where they just take a break and get a chance to recharge the battery and then uh, get back at it and, and get serious about um, what our goals are and uh, what it's going to take for us to to achieve those. And I think that in doing that, I think, um, you know, um, where where is basketball on the priority list? And uh you know, how uh, how far do we really think uh, we can go? And uh, to believe it is one thing, and then to actually do the things you need to do to ha- accomplish it is is quite another.
0: Do you micromanage so, it to some degree, telling them what you oh. specifically want them working on, or do you kind of reins off and trust that they know or somewhere in between?
9: Well, we take a break, and then when they come back, we'll, um, you know, it's something that they have to undertake themselves. If it's mm-hmm. a value, in my opinion, I think that you can explain to them why these things are important. But unless they they accept the challenge themselves, uh, I just don't think it's as uh, it's as valuable. So we'll, we'll talk a lot about that, about what they need to do, and then um, why it's important that they that they accept the challenge.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the players on this team. You're led by uh, uh, Tamira Mclemore. <laughs> First ever D3hoops.com preseason All America selection for Augsburg. She's been a two time All Region and three time All Mayak selection, averaging 15 points a game. Uh, I think that's top six or seven in the Mayak in scoring average, which is certainly important. Over a thousand career points. Tell me a little bit about what she brings to the table along with uh, uh, Spice inside with her 12 plus points.
9: Well, the thing about Tamira is that uh, she scores as much as we need her to. I mean, I think Mm. that um, you have to have a kid that can put points up, and she can do that. Um, She's gotten so much better in in her time here. I think her improvement is probably the most significant thing that I can say about her. But we have four kids that are pretty close to double digits and a couple kids that are right around nine. And so um, I'd I'd like the balance of the team. And I think that you have to have uh, the leader. You have to have somebody that, Players, you know, other teams have to prepare for and get ready for, and that's certainly Tamira, and uh, on the inside um, would be Cameron. But, you know, we've had uh, uh, really kids step up in terms of Jasmine and uh, Asia, uh, both uh, being able to uh, put points up and... um, and demand their, their own kind of attention. Um, so uh, I like the balance in the team, and I think that's what's made us most, most effective.
0: Yeah, you six seniors, four of them are, are have some significant statistical categories. We talked about McLemore. We talked about Speece. You also have uh, Ariana Jones, who's got a 3.88 assist-to-turnover ratio, just 31, or 31 assists, to just eight turnovers, which is an insane number. Uh, Isaiah yeah. Wilson is also pretty solid for you, but uh, J- Jones is phenomenal.
9: Well, Jones has been there all four years. Right. I mean, that thing is like everybody's looking at her this year because the team is being recognized this year. But she was one or two a couple of years ago, and um, she, you know, uh, you know, you just—it's uh, hard to get the ball away from her. And um, <laughs> really? and, I, and I think that's—and I think that's just um, you know a tribute to. Uh, why she's on the floor as much as she is. And um, she really is the one that has the ball in her hands and sets the table and does the kinds of things that we, uh, you know, that all good programs need. And uh, you look at the top four or five kids uh, in the uh, assist to turnover thing, I think the top four or maybe five of the top six are all seniors. Sure. You know, uh, and I just think that that's something that they they learn, how important mm-hmm. that, that kind of uh, talent is and uh, and buy into it and, um, good teams have those kinds of kids.
0: Here's what makes, you know, if I look at it statistically, you know, the on-paper resume, as it were, this is what makes you guys seem pretty scary. You've got Jones, who's clearly a darn good ball handler and is going to set up her, her teammates well. You've got Wilson, who's uh, made, uh, what, three-and-a-half, three-pointers a game. You know, that's, that's a ton of points right out of the gate from her most games. You've got Macklemore, who's clearly going to be able to do a little bit of everything and score from every part of the of the floor and you've got space inside, and we haven't even mentioned the junior starter and, and Jasmine Solseth, but in those four seniors, you've got a different tool and a different weapon in all four. No one's going to be able to double-team or, or just focus on one. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that... Like I said, it's on paper, as they say.
9: Yeah, right, right. That that's the plan, but um as you know, um you know every game is different and uh, every performance is different, but um really what we're shooting for is that kind of consistency. Um what you've mentioned of of those uh players uh Keisha Wubin, who was one of our top 3 players ever since she's been here has been, you know, had the injury bug this year and uh, my hope is that we can get her healthy because that would add a fifth one to that group. So, um uh, you know, it's a matter of, of being consistent in, in our roles and being able to space the floor and everybody doing, uh, you know, what they can do. And then I think we've really got a shot.
0: Talking with uh, Augsburg's head coach here on the Hoopsville hotline, not live. So if you have any questions, we apologize, folks. But the best way to get coach on the show was to talk to him early on. When you look at what's ahead, and it's obviously the gauntlet of the MIAC schedule, you, that is all you have ahead of you. How do you make sure this team doesn't peak early or or get overcommitted too early that you're ready and still playing your best basketball in February?
9: Well, I think that's the that's the blueprint that every coach would love to have, and that's the challenge in front of every coach. But ours is that um, let's look at the games that um, uh, that are ahead of us, and uh, let's break them down, and let's take it. You know, um, we can segment the season, we can segment it by game, we can segment it by week, but just not to get ahead of ourselves. What is it that we're doing now, and what is it that we need to do better in the next game that we didn't do in the last game? And I think if you constantly have those steps ahead of you, game by game, and even half by half, then I think you're going to see uh, improvement. It might be very small, but um, if every game, you get better, then I think uh, by the end you're going to be doing a lot of things well that maybe you weren't doing well earlier in the year. I'm a firm believer in in thinking that teams um, don't stay the same. They either get better or they get worse. And so our challenge is to keep going forward and getting better, and we can identify game by game maybe what those things are that we need to do better and hopefully uh, work on those things and improve them.
0: To quickly go back into your history again, between St. Thomas and here, you spent 12 or some odd seasons uh, as assistant head coach at the University of Minnesota's women's basketball team. Did that experience change your approach to head coaching when you came back into Division Three? And if so, what, what have you brought to the table that's a little different than you may have done at St. Thomas?
9: Well, it does change it because, you know, if you're in the Big Ten, you know you get exposed to uh, all different styles of basketball, mm-hmm. all uh, the latest cutting edges of offenses <laughs> and defense, and then how people play and and those kinds of things. And then we had like the, you know, the uh, the Big Twelve Challenge and all. You know, I mean, it was like we played Baylor with Grinder down there, and <laughs> you know, so you get to see how everybody does things. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's what you bring back. I think you bring back back to division 3 more of an appreciation of techniques and styles and um maybe of all the things you saw maybe what might work best for your team um uh you know the uh, whatever particular type of team that you have and maybe somebody had a team like that that you played against that you thought was really good and and uh identified their strengths and weaknesses and um, and really how did they play to create the best advantage for themselves. So I think that that kind of experience was really invaluable.
0: Now back to the present. Uh, Mayak, you only have five games out of conference each team. That puts a, a huge, obviously, precedent on winning the conference, but it also sometimes can put a team at a disadvantage or anybody in that conference at a disadvantage when it comes to add large selections and such because the resume is a little bit tighter there are four teams, as we mentioned, in the top 25 currently. Uh, we've been doing a little bit of looking ahead. How Im- obviously, it's important to win it, but how much does this schedule maybe need to be adjusted to allow what is turning out to be a really good set of teams in the MIAC to get a chance at the postseason with more than five out-of-conference out of games?
9: Well, that's a question. I mean, you know, you could have seven or ten out of conference games, but uh, my under—and uh, this is really different since I've been back. If those aren't the right teams, right. Um, then that doesn't help you. But how you're supposed to know in Division Three who the right teams are two years from now is—is—is is, is, I'm curious to know how how one figures that out. Uh, but um, you know, I mean, last year we were 22 and five, 16 and two in the league, and finished second in the league and didn't get in. Right. The year before our number three team went to the whitewater region and won it yep and so um how you go from your number three team winning a region to your number two team not getting in is was a bit confusing to us so with that uh, with that being said, I think that our our concern is to let's try and get in a position where it's going to be hard for them to say no to us so I mean obviously if you win it. That's the easiest way because then it takes the decision-making out of hand. But um, just try to win as much as you can uh, and, and see if you can present a resume that it's, it's going to be hard to say no to.
0: Before I let you go, you kind of hint at you know more games. We talked about it there. Technically, it will be seven non-conference games in a couple of years when St. Thomas leaves the conference. I'm curious your thoughts as one who was you know, such a longtime head coach there for the Tommies.
9: Well, I think that um I, I think that teams do or schools do what's best for them. And um so I don't know, you know, what uh I'm not privy to the insider information and what's gone on before and, and, and what causes the change, but you know, you lose a team like St. Thomas, you you know, it doesn't um um it doesn't help your league. And so uh, but uh, I don't know what their plan, is, you know, is going forward. I think all this stuff will become very clear, like five, five to ten years from now. <laughs> um, I think when people look back and say, "Oh, so that's what it was," you know, I think that that's when everything will be clear um, in, in terms of what's going on. But um, right now, I think we are very uh, interested in building uh, the Augsburg program, being competitive in our league on a consistent basis, uh, and then. Um, seeing where that leads us.
0: Well, you've done a terrific job so far in your five seasons. Very impressive to get the program to where it is, and as we mentioned, a win over the Tommies last time out. And, uh, and congratulations on that. Coach, we have a tradition on the show. We always give the uh, guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who, who may be tuned in?
9: Well, I think that uh, it's fun to be back at Division Three, and I think that uh, Division Three basketball has all the kinds of things that you look for in, uh, in competition. And uh, if you have a chance to uh, go see a Division Three game in any area that you're in, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised, and it's a lot of fun. Well
0: said. Very well said. Have a great holidays. Enjoy the break. Good luck on January 4th. I know I'll be watching, and we look forward to touching base with you and the Auggies down the road. Terrific. Dave, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That is Coach Reverso joining us from the Auggie's Women's Basketball Program. Hey, keep an eye on the MIAC. We've said that the last few years. He's right, though. I think they deserve more teams in. It just, the resume starts to get a little crowded, and we'll see how that works out this year. Obviously, we're uh, at least two and a half months away from finding out the answer to that. When we come back, we'll get Gordon Mann's take on everything. He might even have a thought on the MIAC conference himself. You listen to Hoopso, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and Studios. More when we come back.
3: But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. A lot more.
2: Sure,
4: the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team.
3: That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world.
4: Help us keep that dream alive.
3: You can make a difference.
4: I'm a Division III student-athlete and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
5: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
4: If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III
6: student-athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III.
7: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
5: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
1: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
4: I got the Presidential Scholarship,
3: which was huge for me.
1: I think
6: there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III.
3: I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, live now after our tape segment there. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. This is our last segment. We'll have Gordon on and then we will recap or just kind of wrap things up uh, after he's uh, off the air with us. Um, real quick note about the Augsburg. Something that got confusing was I mentioned a 36-game losing streak. That was a 36-game road losing streak Augsburg had to St. Thomas. They also had a 26 game overall losing streak to St. Thomas. My comment to coach Reverso was he was responsible for much of those losing streaks because he was there coaching St. Thomas for a period of time before leaving and then, and then coming back. So that, that was kind of my tongue in cheek comment there. All right. So women's basketball, keep the theme alive. Uh, We won't waste any time. We'll go right back to the uh, blue frame technology Hoopsville Hotline and and joining us there, Gordon Mann, uh, to discuss uh, the state of women's basketball at this point. And Gordon, I'll I'll admit it's it's kind of been a little bit more exciting than I think I expected uh, at this point in the season.
6: Yeah, I think you have you have more teams uh, uh, that you can look at as national championship contenders. I think you have, uh, and then you've got a bunch of of uh, of teams in the middle tier, really from about ten down through. Uh, 25 or, you know, if you want to go further than that, the teams that were just outside the pole where uh, a lot of them have played each other, or, uh, a lot of them have lost to each other, teams not in there and uh, just uh, a lot of turnover and, and uh, different from a couple of years ago where, you know, once teams were locked into their position, it seemed like they didn't move around very much. We had a couple of weeks where uh, there was just one loss or no losses in uh, among every team in the top 25 combined, even in a short week like this. Uh, that's not going to be the case just because Marymount lost, uh, lost tonight to uh, to center at, uh, down in Florida.
0: Yeah, I just saw that also. Um, well, that's the first loss. That's now only the second loss in the top 25 period, though. Uh, we're going to have a loss on the men's side as WashU and Illinois Wesleyan are playing tonight as well. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's – I mean, well, let me go quickly in the Mayak. I mean, there's an example of, of a conference that has gotten very competitive Uh, In the last few years, and this year looks like it could be even more competitive. And we talked a little bit with Coach about you know the chances of getting at larges. You know, he pointed out that they got left out as the number two team last year. But you know, there's almost a changing of the guard. It feels like in the Mayak right now.
4: Yeah,
6: four teams in in, uh, ranked. I I haven't checked, but I'm guessing that's the first time that's ever happened. It's not the first time that the Mayak has had a bunch of good teams. If you go back before. Saint Thomas was has uh, been as dominant as it was you know almost way back to the start of the website uh Saint Benedict and Concordia Moorhead had a pretty good programs uh, uh, Augsburg was pretty good and, and uh, Gustavus Adolphus and those teams were uh, routinely uh, ranked in the top twenty five sometimes right next to each other um, but uh more recently this is this is you new know, you've got uh, Bethel into the top twenty five and and one of two new undefeated teams mm-hmm. that's ranked you've got uh, you've got Gustavus, which came into the top 25 uh, from not even receiving any votes after they beat St. Thomas. Uh, and you got Augsburg. You just talked with Coach Reverso. So and you have St. Thomas. And uh, of the four teams, the Tommies uh, have traditionally been the overwhelming power. They hadn't lost. They had a 77 game conference winning streak that ended uh, two Saturdays ago. But now, of the four teams that are left uh, in the top 25, they're probably the weakest. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the four teams they graduated a lot. Uh, their top player who was back, Kaya Porter uh, has only played a couple of games this year. She's injured. I don't know how long she's going to be out, uh, but it's already changed the team substantially. Yeah. When you, you watch them, I've watched them a handful of times. I watched them once with Porter against Trinity uh, and they looked very much like last year's team. They even have Hannah uh, uh, Hannah Spalding's younger sister as the center uh, at the time. And, and, what you come away with is an appreciation for what Spalding meant to that team um, because she had the ability to to play back to the basket, to man double teams, and just was so good at passing out of the post uh, that St. Thomas was one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. And now everything is a step slow. You know, it takes a little longer, and the three-point shooters also aren't as good. So what looked like a well-oiled machine hitting threes from all over the place last year you know, now looks like a team that's settling for threes and missing them. It, it's not that anything's changed with them offensively. It's just that the players are different. Um, you know, I don't know because I don't know how long St. Thomas is going to be in Division Three, so I don't know mm. whether we're going to. I don't. I don't know that we're going to get to see the ascendant, her complete ascendant. Um, but Bryn Rowland, the young center uh, for St. Thomas, is very, very good, and I think she has a chance to be as good as as uh, as Spaulding and some of the other centers who've been really into their langer. Um, but the question is, will she will she kind of blossom after St. Yeah. Thomas's left Division break uh, But she's Ooh. very good. The rest of the Tommies are very young. Um, and, you know, I, I watched some of the Augsburg-St. Thomas game and uh, that I'm sure you talked about with Coach Reverso. And uh, St. Thomas was lucky to get that, too, overtime because Augsburg had a pretty comfortable lead, and then the Tommies came back and hit a bunch of threes. But, you know, I don't think St. Thomas has enough offense to win that conference this year. Um, you know, uh, Bethel's very good, uh, a little bit off the radar, I guess not completely now that they're ranked in the top 25, uh, Gustavus is very good. And, um, you know, this, this shouldn't be a year where, where their number two team gets left out, but I, I guess you never know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fair. Uh, two references there folks that Gordon is predicting or not predicting, but saying St. Thomas is out of D three in a couple of years. Just want to make reference two two references there. Uh, we'll know more. In the coming months. Um, the other thing, I mean, listen, the top of the top twenty-five looks familiar. You got Tufts, you got yeah. Scranton, Bowden in the mix now. Hope Harry Harden Baylor's got a vote there. This is a squad I feel like. You know, Polly Thomason always has. Um, I'm sorry, that's not Polly. That's um, uh, that is Mark. Oh, I'm waiting for the yeah, Mark morfield Sorry, I had it confused with Texas Dallas that's a squad I don't think everybody really appreciates. You know, why, why are voters diving in so hard on the, on the, uh, on the uh, Crusaders
13: here?
6: Well, Mary Harden-Baylor brought back all five of their starters from last year. So just when you look at the voting data, they, they're going to start really high. They played uh, they played really well and looked dominant at times, until so they got you know, kind of crushed by WashU in the, in the Sweet 16 by Thomas Moore. Yeah. Um, and, and if you watch them on tape, uh, when they're playing at their best, I think they're probably just in terms of skill level, the most complete team in division three. I and mean, hmm. they are, um, you know, just when they're at their best, they can score more than Bowden or Tuff. Uh, when they're at their best, they can do things inside that hope camp. Uh, when they're at their best, they will score more points consistently than Amherst will. Um, but they're not going to be at their best against every team all the time. Um, and when they're not at their best, the wheels could fall off, and you know things things could look like they did against WashU last year, or like they did against Thomas Moore in the regular season. Um, you know, the, the challenge for the American Southwest Conference teams, as always, is the geography, yeah. uh, and the secondary element of that is their conference is so large that they're done with non-conference games by Christmas, right. um, and as a result, your ability to compare them to teams, even outside, not even other teams in the South region. Is is basically non-existent. So you've got Mary harden Baylor, who has a big win over over Whitman, and I think that's going to look pretty good. Although we won't really know until we get into Northwest Conference play what Whitman lives. Sure. Um, you've got. Uh, I, I think they've got another game that's pretty good. I think they play Illinois Wesleyan over the holidays. Um, Titans seem to be down a little bit, but that's a good matchup. But then after that. The only other games that you'll be able to look at them and evaluate them on and say, "Okay, this tells me this team is really good" or "or it's not as good as I thought," are the two or three or whatever it ends up being against Texas Dallas. Sure. You know, Harden Simmons is pretty good, but you're not going to learn an awful lot from them beating Louisiana College or Sioux State or Laterno or you know, yeah. University of Ozark by 25 points.
0: Yeah, fair point. Uh, and and we and it's somewhat to back up to the Mayak same argument. Yeah, we got four great teams there, but they they play five non-conference games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and to your point of Saint Thomas, okay, seven. I mean, that's a slight improvement in the future, but it, yeah. you know, these conferences are eating themselves um, more than anything. Are there any surprises this year that you've seen so far?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought uh, I, I thought Trinity, uh, Trinity of Texas, uh, came from being you know basically receiving no votes. Uh, they they got all the way up in near the top ten because they, they didn't play for a month. So they yeah. had, <laughs> for a long time, voters looked at them and saw a win over Austin or a a, win, a bunch of, you know, a, a blowout win over George Fox, a very close loss to St. Thomas and one other quality win. And that was it. They didn't play for a month. So as other teams lost, they kind of, you know, rose up the schedule, not unreasonably. And then they played uh, and, and lost a very close game last week to Texas-Dallas. Yeah. And, you know, the, a lot of the voters, I think, looked at that and went, OK, well, now you're three and two. I haven't seen you in a month. Three and two doesn't look as good as it right. did three and one last week. So, right. um, but but that doesn't take away from who they are. I think Abby Holland is a really good forward. They've had some guards that can shoot on that team. Um, you know, of all the regions, the last three, if if you go by who's had who's the most recent Final Four team from each region, the one that's had the longest drought is the South Region. It's been a decade they've had since Howard Payne came in and 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 won the thing. But the last Final Four team. Uh, from the south region it was a decade ago even the east region which is probably the weakest of the eight has had a more recent uh final 14 than that in rochester and you know of course new england puts two in every year and uh, the west is, or usually has one and then scram's been very good but from the south it's been a while uh, yeah. i think they have a chance to send a team but trinity's look pretty good and there's a bunch of teams that are undefeated or have one loss um that are surprising. I, I think we don't know a lot about how good they are yet. So sure. uh, I went and watched Widener last week. Uh, they didn't look real good for the first half that I was I was there. I had my two-year-old with me, Sweden stayed for the whole game. Uh, but they came back and won. Uh, their results look good on, on paper, and I know they've got two two kids in like Aaron Phelan and Devin Rimmer who can score. Uh, Albright is undefeated. Uh, they have a good win over Kane. I don't know quite how much to make of it. Uh, North Park, from what I've watched, looks like the, I think Illinois Wesley at its best is the best team in the CCIW, but they're, careful, they're capable of losing games that you don't expect them to on any given night. Uh, I think North Park may be the best team in the CCIW. Uh, Albion looks pretty good, at least on defense last week. So these are mm-hmm. none of these programs, um, with the exception of Albright, which was in the, you know, the Sweet 16 two, three years ago. None of these are, are teams with any kind of pedigree. No. Uh, North Park got votes for the first time ever this week. You know, Albion, I don't know if they've ever been ranked, but it's been a long time. Widener had the distinction of being, uh, they, they had the highest ranking of a team that's only uh, been ranked once in program history. They were ranked uh, 12th or 14th after they uh, had a good run in the NCAA tournament years and years ago and have never been ranked again until this week. So, <laughs> Sports Information Director there said, so that means we've never played a game as a ranked team. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. So, um, so those teams have been good. Uh, and, you know, I think there's some other teams that are uh, in this region that I've been surprised have been playing a little better. Swarthmore has been playing a little better. Um, I'm not surprised because I think a lot of Candace Brown, and I think, she's going to get that program turned oh, around pretty yeah. quickly, um, which is going to make that conference you know, oh. even, more, oh. even more competitive. Yeah. Uh, Brandeis. Hasn't really been a factor in years and years. Yeah. Uh, they looked pretty good so far. Um, so there's, there's been those types of teams. Uh, it, we're still young enough and early enough in the in the season where you look at the record, they're nine and zero, and then you turn it on, you you click onto the page and you say, oh, all right. There's only one team in here that I would consider you know, top seventy five, and they beat that team. And the rest of these teams they played are, you know, I would not expect any team that's good to have a problem with these teams. Sure. So... Um, don't know yet. Um, sometimes you learn through a close loss. Albion picked up votes by losing uh, on a buzzer beater to Hope. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the voters do with North Park. The next time around, North Park got beaten eh, by a you know fairly comfortable margin by Hope. So do all of their votes disappear, or does someone look at that and say, all right, that legitimizes North Park?
0: Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, talking to Gordon Mann here, senior editor at D3Hoops.com. Uh, the North Park one, great example of a team. I'm just, you know, I sit there going, wow. I haven't talked about that program in quite some time. I think it's going to be fascinating finish, uh, not finish, but even as we turn into January, as conferences roll up. Uh, Before we get there though, we got the D three hoops.com classic. As we were talking about earlier on this show. And as we've said on the last couple of shows, the women are going to steal a spotlight this year. And it's not even close, especially when you have the likes of Amherst and sales and and Scranton showing up, Um, not necessarily all playing each other. That wouldn't that be nice, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we've, we've got a bit of a humdinger on the women's side of the, of the Classic this year.
6: Yeah, you've got four ranked teams, four teams ranked in the top ten, uh, and they will all play at least one other team ranked in the top ten. They won't just exclusively play each other, which right. would have been fun. But uh, would have been. Uh, Amherst <laughs> will play tails. Uh, Scranton will play George Fox. Right. Uh, and then you've got four other teams who, uh, if they're not the favorite in their own conference, they're not far off. So I think Emmanuel is probably the favorite in the, in the GNAC, and they've already beaten Amherst this year. Uh, you've got claremont Mudscripts who um, I watched on—I've watched a couple of times—and they are a really nicely balanced team. A lot of times, teams from Southern California are just so physically small. You know, they start guards sure. to a five-two and five-three. Yeah. They actually have some nice guys on the front line uh, there this year, and they've—you uh, know—they beat Gustavus, which is ranked. So that's a good team. Um, St. Vincent is. Probably the favorite in the Presidents Athletic Conference with Thomas Moore out of it. I don't know how much that means anymore. Sure. Um, but that at least means that they're, you know, they could be yeah, the teams. tournament. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like they were, uh, like they were last year. They were, they won that conference with Thomas Moore was an independent. Uh, and you've got University of New England, who's probably the best team in the CCC. And Tony Ewing always have a has a very good defensive minded team. Mm-hmm. So um, you've got four. You've got eight teams there. Um, that I think I, I think three of I think four of them are pretty much locks to get into the tournament. You know, three ter- three of them are mortal locks, and the sales is probably pretty close. And uh, of that of that next year, that next four, I, I think there's a good chance all three of the four. And you know, if you're being optimistic, all four will be in the tournament. So yeah, you're, and, and these teams are going to play each other. So St. Vincent's going to play Scranton, and you know, uh, Claremont's going to play the sales, and University of New England's going to play George Fox. So um, it's a really good field, uh, you sort of hope that the games involving um, the other <laughs> two teams that I didn't mention team state who came because we invited them a couple of years ago. Yes. So hopefully, hopefully it's a good experience for them um, and Milwaukee School of Engineering, whom I have no idea how they found their way here, but
0: uh oh uh, I, I can guess remember who their former coach was Oh, I Bill, don't know what's the Kate Bill nelson's uh daughter. Oh, she right. just there left this off season. I highly suspect that's connection. why she's yeah. that that program's there. But she just left. Yeah. Actually, she's that living in California. left, right? She's so. living in California now. Um, yeah, doing something different. Well, maybe she'll maybe she'll come and watch. Oh, that'd be <laughs> awesome! I'd love to have Kate Nelson on the show or on on a broadcast. So, Speaking uh, of which, you will be back, sir. Yeah, I'm looking forward
6: to it. I uh, uh, you know focused on the women's side with four top ten teams. Um, <laughs> even before we, I knew the sales was going to be ranked in the top ten. Uh, I thought it would be fun. There were uh, a couple of coaches uh, who are on the list that I know who pinged me and said, hey, you know, why don't you come this year? You know, can you make it this year? So a little bit of a reversal with the coaches. Doing the recruiting and uh, yeah, uh,
13: it, it, uh, it worked.
0: Pat and I can't get you sometimes, and you, <laughs> I didn't know I needed to call a couple coaches and, you get, and you
13: get, uh, yeah. You, you, you all, I, I I will field
6: request uh, I will give a right. request for GP Gramacki and Mike. Coppolino Mental No, is
0: what
13: Me- learned,
0: well, so. GP's tired of seeing us. GP's like, hey, hey Gordon, uh, I so, see Pat and Dave every yeah. year. I'm getting tired yeah. of it. I need to see you. <laughs>
13: so I'm, looking for, I'm looking
6: forward to it, though. I'm no, uh, looking, to, uh, yeah. It, it should be a lot of fun on the women's side and the men's games are, are always entertaining even if you don't yeah you don't really know what to expect and this is a year where i don't know what to make of the show no, i, I, <laughs> know, I back and back to its old old better
0: ways ram back to its old ways too of swapping out uniforms and changing rosters yeah uh, I kind of miss the old days, or the more recent days when they were more stable. But uh, no, it should be fun. I'm looking forward. I'm
9: sure, forward to I'm sure Chuck you. does too.
0: Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair. Uh, looking forward to having you out there. I appreciate the time. I don't want to keep you much longer. Yep. Um, and since you're going to Vegas, I know you're enjoying family time up until that point. Um, so we'll let you go. But as always, we give uh, the guests final word. Any final thoughts um, before we break for the holidays? Well, for the
11: coaches
6: and players, or whoever happens to be listening, or even if you're a fan. Uh, you know, enjoy the, enjoy the holidays, uh, enjoy the time with your family, and uh, we'll look forward to talking uh, either in Vegas or on the uh, other side of
0: the new year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you, buddy, and uh, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Have My a great pleasure. Christmas, and I'll yep. I'll see you in Vegas. Safe travels. See you there. All right, bud. Take care. Morning, man. joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, of course, and I, of course, buried it and didn't get back up, all interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline, courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology. In their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? BlueFrame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting www.blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And, of course, there also are broadcasting partners now this year. Uh, The simulcast with YouTube is working tonight, though we got a flag for some copyright infringement. No clue what. Uh, and Facebook shut down, maybe for the same reasons. I don't know. It, we were in the middle of tossing to John Vanderwall. I think Vanderwall's interview went up, and then it disappeared. I have no idea why. Anyway, anywho, um, appreciate their support. And, of course, you can watch this show if you're not already. If you have an Amazon uh, Fire Stick or or whatever, or TV, Android TV, Roku, or Apple TV, you can watch this show on Team One Sports. Just look for the Hoopsville channel, and you'll see this show there as well. But again, if you if you signed up or you go to Blue Frame, make sure you tell them we sent you, and we'd appreciate it. Let's them know that um, you're supportive of our efforts as well. All right, so that's going to wrap up our show. A couple thoughts before we go. First and foremost, the I W WashU game uh, is a dandy WashU. About midway through the first half, went on a 10-0, maybe longer run on IWU, and I thought they were pulling away and it was going to be all done from there. But latest tweet I see is WashU's got a 61-60 lead on IWU with nine and a half minutes left to go in the game. I did notice that Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott are going back and forth with each other, commenting about the game. So that's probably worth watching. Of course, you probably see a lot of that stuff on hashtag D3 Hoops. By the way, quick note to some of you sports information directors out there. I, we are now, uh, we, and I mean the community of Division Three basketball, has been using the hashtag D3 Hoops Now in its second season, I noticed, and I can scroll over because I keep the hashtag up for this exact reason, Uh, I noticed that some still use the uh, D3H account, including friends of mine like Dean Corwin, who is uh, talking about the Scranton women's basketball game against Misericordia, Scranton winning that 75-57. Heck, our our boys at d 3 photography are still using the D3H account uh, and some others. Uh, Switch over to D3H hoops. That's where everybody is. That's the one that's endorsed by the NCAA. And we hope you'll uh, you'll use it as well. Um, so really, not a lot to talk about in the top 25. We mentioned Benedictine lost to Concordia. Oshkosh lost to St. Norbert. Um, yeah, St. Norbert, a team that we thought about getting on the show, but I think I'm going to wait a little longer on that. By the way, we thought about getting Mary Harden Baylor on the show, and I was going to have Marietta and Mary Harden Baylor shortly before Merry Christmas. But then I remember that Mary Harden Baylor is in the middle of getting ready to host the Stag Bowl tomorrow night. Remember, they're the official hosts with Shenandoah as a school. By the way, my glasses are all askew, and I'm, I'm not really sure why. Definitely need a new pair. Um, And so we decided, let's leave Mary Harden-Baylor alone for a little bit longer. On the women's side, uh, Gordon mentioned the only loss that, that took place there, Marymount losing the center tonight. I missed the score. It popped up on my screen a moment ago. Uh, there's the halftime score. I do not see the final. I'm not sure where it is. But anyway, um, Gordon mentioned that. So not, and again, no top 25s for uh, a couple of weeks. I don't know if we'll get one out right before new year's. That's kind of where I pushed. Cause you know, a couple of weeks, I highly suspect it'll be more like January 7th or sixth, whatever date that Monday is, uh, January 6th is when we'll get it on next. Speaking of that, oops, Phil, we are taking the break from, um, the holidays. Um, we will go on the air and it, it really is going to depend on a couple of factors here, but I'd love to get on the air January 2nd, which is the Thursday show which is two weeks from tonight, if at all possible. But it's likely we'll move to the fifth. It's going to depend on how I'm feeling coming back from Vegas. To be blunt and not to make this a topic, because, again, the John Carroll jersey is up. Because Chris Wentzler, the sports information director for John Carroll, is back in the hospital in his huge fight against cancer. We have on our Twitter account a pinned um, message about that fight and a way to give back to him through a GoFundMe page to help his family with the payments and stuff. It's a huge fight for him, and that's what we told you. John Carroll Jersey hangs when he is in the hospital. That said, just a quick update for you. Many of you might know that we had a little bit of a delay getting on the air this year, mainly because of uh, me recovering from back surgery, which took place on Halloween. There's a chance that surgery didn't take, unfortunately. Uh, I thought a, uh, a minimally invasive lumbar discectomy would, would do the trick. Uh, I may look good right now, but I'm, uh, trust me, the second I get up from this chair, uh, I will be hurting. Um, so I am, uh, we'll see. If, if I get back from Vegas and we're feeling good and we feel good in Vegas, especially, we will get guests lined up for the second. If not, we will start the fifth. And with that, we will also go back into our normal regional coverage that we normally do. This allows us to see more teams without repeating too much stuff or making it complicated. On Thursdays, we will talk to the East, Mid-Atlantic, South, um, well, that's not right. Let me try that again. Let me let's start over Sundays. We'll again, remember this on the other way Sundays. We traditionally, um, tune in or, or, or get guests from the Northeast, the Atlantic, the central and the South. Yeah, oh, you know, that doesn't sound right. How, how sad is this? I don't even remember how we break down the show on traditional Sundays. Give me a moment. I'll call it up. It's the easiest way I can do this. I go to one of the old shows, is what I do. um, And I check in there. You can see all the archives at d3hoopsville.com, by the way. Uh, So I'll dive back here. All right, here we go. All right. So uh, January 13th show um, appears it was (laughs) a Sunday show. So we talked to the Central Region, we talked to the Mid Atlantic Region, and the Northeast Region. No, the Atlantic Region, Northeast. So Northeast Atlantic. Well, I'm confusing myself here. Um, My point is, (laughs) we break down the segments. Oh, it is not that hard, and I apparently have made it as difficult as I physically can. Uh, Northeast, South, Central, Northeast, South, Central, and Atlantic. Those are the four regions on Sundays. That leaves the East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West on Thursday, sometimes also the South because of scheduling issues. There you go. I hope you followed along. There'll be a quiz later for me, more than anybody else. Um, with that, I want to thank everybody who came on the sh- came on the show tonight, including Bob Quillman, uh, who's again updating things. Apparently, Jack Nolan is on fire, corner of the WashU Bears. IwU has now taken the lead, by the way, or at least the last tweet I saw. Um, so, Bob Quillman, thanks for him coming on. Uh, John Vanderwall from Marietta, appreciate him coming on. Of course, Ryan Scott coming on to the show to give his take on things. And we talked about everything different. That's the great part. Bob talked about pool C ideas and the fact that we're going to, you know, stuff we've seen already is going to be important. And then, you know, a little bit of uh, um, all decade talk. And of course, thoughts on the first season from Ryan. Um, And then Gordon came on, talked women's side of things. Great to get his point of view. But we also had uh, Ted Reverso, the head coach of Augsburg coming on. And I want to thank from Augsburg, Don Stoner for his help and for Jeff Schley at um, Maria, I want to thank their, those two SIDs for their assistance and all SIDs who help us out throughout the year. Looking forward to working with them as we move into the new year and the second half, quote unquote, of the basketball season. Lots ahead. will be on the air Sundays and Thursday starting at seven o'clock Eastern. I think there's one Thursday, maybe two, where we will put a show together ahead of time because I'll be working on those evenings. But for the most part, there'll be a show available for you. And with that, we wrap it up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We hope you have a wonderful holiday, no matter what you celebrate. Um, A Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever the case may be, and especially a Happy New Year. If you are in Las Vegas, please do not be a stranger. Ira Thor, myself, Pat Coleman, and Gordon Mann will be in attendance. We hope you'll uh, come up, say hi, and uh, and, uh, whatever you want to say. Look forward to seeing the teams there as well. And, of course, we'll see you in the New Year. And and keep this rolling along, as it were. We may even continue to update the studio. By the way, the NABC sent some new shirts. If you want something you think deserves to be in that studio backdrop, please send it along. We will make sure to get it put in there as well. And with that, we wrap it up for the 2019 side of things. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to thank our support from the NABC, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Of course, that includes the likes of Charlie Brock and and uh, and many more at the at the NABC the coaches list in that category um coach of course moyer uh, back in the day if you really want to go back have been instrumental in helping us out and that's the same with the WBCA um it, you know, the pat mannings of the world who have been instrumental in helping us at the women's basketball coaches association and the front office at both the NABC and WBCA really appreciate their support of us and uh and what we do here at Division Three Basketball. also want to thank everybody at D3Hoops.com, Ryan, Scott, Gordon, Mann. Of course, you'll, we'll probably hear from Pat Coleman. You will in Vegas. We'll hear from him down the road as well. And uh, and then well, I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology. If you'd like to advertise on the show, there is plenty of time and plenty of opportunities to do so. We'll be once again sending out advertising packages. If you know of a company or a school that may be interested, please get them in touch with us, and we will take care of that on our end. And with that, have a wonderful holidays, folks. We see you in the new year. Hope to see you in Vegas. If not, we'll see you online, and we'll see you back here for more soap in the new year. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios, our hotline presented by Blue Frame Technology, along as our streaming partner as well. Good night, everybody.